Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. For the last few years, one of the familiar tech buzzwords has been the cloud. Over and over, we've heard phrases like cloud computing and saving our information to the cloud. And there's even an advertising campaign in which the players on a commercial would yell, to the cloud. But what does this buzzword really mean? To help us with our discussion today, we have Vincent Mosco, a professor emeritus of sociology at Queen's University in Canada and the former Canada Research Chair in Communication and Society. He's also the author of the new book, To the Cloud, Big Data in a Turbulent World. Welcome, Vincent, and thank you for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Great. So first of all, can you give us some of your background? Um, you're a, you were a sociology professor. How did you get into technology and technology? technical issues? Well, I've been involved in technology issues for, for many years, in mm-hmm. fact. Uh, from the time I was uh, a graduate student in sociology at Harvard, I had the good fortune to arrive as a graduate student as Daniel Bell was arriving mm-hmm. uh, to uh, take, uh, take a position in sociology. And uh, I took his seminars and um, he convinced me that uh, technology was an important field to study. I worked as his research assistant while he was working on the book, The Coming of a Post-Industrial Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I guess I uh, caught the bug <laughs> and uh, decided to uh, continue to uh, to work in the field. Uh, at that time, the, the new technology was cable TV and mm-hmm. And uh, it certainly has evolved over the years. Um, one of my goals, uh, and I hope that I realized it in this book, is to, over the years, is to try to stay ahead of the curve sure. in technology. So uh, in the 1980s, I moved on to uh, take up uh, video techs and uh, uh, teletext, mm-hmm. uh, kind of precursors of the Internet. Uh, and um, a succession of technologies that, uh, in our time, uh, take us to the cloud and, and big data. <clears throat> and my goal uh, is to, uh, in a sense, uh, uh, plant a, a, a critical flag in uh, the territory of the cloud and big data, where most analyses of the cloud uh, have been largely uh, uh, technical. Um, I thought it would be useful to bring a critical sociological uh, analytical eye to the uh, to the study of the cloud. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean, a critical flag? Well, what I mean is uh, broadly to look at um, the social and political implications of the cloud. Uh, when I started work on this project uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the literature was almost entirely about what is the cloud and what can it do for you, for your business, et cetera, all of which is, is quite useful and was enormously helpful in my education about the cloud. But I found no one was looking at the implications 
O, for example, of uh, uh, for the environment of large uh, power-consuming data centers, implications for our privacy, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the impact on labor, and uh, on um, what it means in an era of big data to actually know something. Uh, what would be the implications, for example, for uh, more qualitative and subjective humanities-based thinking when quantitative data becomes the gold standard for knowing. So these are issues, philosophical, sociological, political, economic, that I thought we needed to uh, start a debate about around the cloud. And um, I I decided uh, that uh, it would be useful to take that on. Mm-hmm. Now, in your book, you say you take a transdisciplinary uh, approach mm-hmm. to this yes. study. Um, yeah. So that's sociology as well as? Well, it's, it's uh, sociology, political economy, mm-hmm. uh, a subject that uh, I've written a couple of books about over, over the years. Um, one of the things, in fact, I, I learned, uh, and I, again, would go back to uh, Daniel Bell, um, was that um, uh, to be a, a, a true social scientist, one had to, in a sense, uh, take the long march through a variety of disciplines mm-hmm. to learn what it means to be um, uh, not only a sociologist rooted in to what is defined as the canon of the discipline, but to do the same for uh, cultural studies, communication studies, economics, political science, geography. And in various times in uh, the 40 or so years I've I've been working in the field, uh, I've done just that. Uh, That is, go back to school in a subject area and learn it as best I can and integrate it in a broad, multi- or transdisciplinary approach. That is an approach that uh, rises above uh, the confines, or some might see the constraints, of a particular discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I spend uh, uh, a good deal of time thinking about how to uh, integrate a variety of approaches uh, in, into the cloud. Uh, fundamentally, uh, it's uh, a broadly political economic approach, and uh, especially in the final chapter, a cultural approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, to understanding the cloud. Now, we are talking about the cloud and cloud mm-hmm. computing, but perhaps mm-hmm. you can explain what is the cloud. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's a, a very good uh, question. And um, what I found in doing my research is there are many, many definitions uh, <laughs> of the cloud. Um, but uh, to, to boil it all down, cloud computing in is a system where um, we centralize uh, the storage of online data that includes anything from the printed word to the voice and video, etc., applications and software in, uh, in one particular location or in a network of locations. So imagine a data center, um, uh, and these are uh, massive facilities mm-hmm. that uh, house um, uh, computer servers that store and process 
uh, data applications and software. And we access or interact with, uh, with the data and with the software from uh, a, our, our own distant uh, terminal. So it's essentially you're online and you interact with, uh, with a data center or a network of data centers. Um, more often than not, you as part of a, an organization, a company or a government agency uh, would, uh, would access the network and your company would pay um, a, a fee uh, for the amount of data software accessed uh, and uh, a, a regular charge, like a rental charge, Mm-hmm. to have uh, have that access. So to, to give a very concrete example, now I bought a computer uh, just last week and um, I was uh, thinking of, of course, installing uh, Microsoft Office and I was offered the opportunity to essentially um, rent the, the software for a monthly fee uh, and the software itself would be located in a distant data center. So I don't have to install. I don't have to store the software on my computer. I can save the space for other activities and just uh, uh, use it from uh, uh, by drawing on, on it when I, when I log on. Uh, so uh, the cloud, the image of the cloud, is this uh, place where... Uh, data applications and software reside, mm-hmm. and we're down here with our feet firmly planted on the earth, uh, uh, accessing uh, and interacting with that uh, that data. Yeah. So you, in the book, you you make a statement that I want to ask you about, and you say that mm-hmm. cloud computing serves as a prism that reflects and refracts every major issue in the field of information technology and society. Mm-hmm. So I was wanted to know if you could really explain what you meant by that. Sure. It's um, important to understand that um, when we, and, and many of us have seen uh, these uh, large data centers, um, one can see them simply as pieces of uh, of technology, a complex that stores servers, and um, the the process of act, uh, of of uh, downloading data, sending up data, or using the software, whether word processing or a spreadsheet at this distant location, as, as you can look at it as purely a technical uh, uh, exercise. Mm-hmm. But when you in a sense, and I mean this metaphorically, but also as a methodology, peel away uh, the the data center, uh, what you come to see are broader issues. So, for example, data centers have significant impacts on the environment. They consume vast amounts of power, not only to process uh, the enormous stores of data, but also to keep uh, cool, uh, to air condition the servers mm-hmm. in such facilities. <clears throat> the data requirements, I mean, the, the power requirements are enormous. Furthermore, there's an impact on the local uh, environment of the um, uh, particular energy source used to, uh, to power 
uh, the data centers themselves. So there are, um, the, the standard is to use electricity, but in order for us to um, have 24-7 access, uh, data centers have major backups like uh, uh, diesel generators, mm -hmm. uh, massive generators that, uh, that are used to uh, kick in when um, the power, electrical power goes down. And there are uh, uh, rows of, of lead-acid batteries that back up diesel generators, flywheels that back up those. Or it's four or five levels of backup to keep a data center uh, going. Now, all of these have important environmental impacts. So in a sense, uh, and in this specific example, the environment is refracted in uh, the uh, the seemingly banal technology of accessing data remotely. And I describe in the book how uh, one small town in the state of Washington was heavily impacted uh, by the arrival of a Microsoft uh, data center, which came to Quincy, Washington, promising jobs and uh a renewal of its economy, mm -hmm. uh, but in addition to that, delivered uh, uh, a tremendous uh, spike in air pollution and significant problems for the local energy supply. So that's one example. Uh, there are uh, a number of other ways in which uh, issues are, are uh, embodied in the technology. Certainly, given that data centers store enormous amounts of information, including private information, uh, there are major privacy and surveillance uh, implications. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of this has come out in the last year over the National Security Agency, um, but uh, the problem it goes beyond uh, government intrusion because most of the companies that uh, build cloud centers, um, and they include uh, some of the, the largest IT companies in the world, uh, dominant ones being Amazon, uh, Google, uh, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, uh, as well as some others that are not so much household names like Rackspace. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, these companies profit significantly by marketing uh, the data stored in their clouds. So uh, we need to, to think about, debate, and act on uh, the privacy and surveillance implications there. Uh, another area that uh, uh, is uh, impacted by cloud computing is employment. One person, in, uh, in fact, uh, described uh, the cloud or defined it as uh, just another way to outsource your IT operations. Mm -hmm. uh, what that means is that uh, companies, including universities, uh, government agencies as well, that house an independent uh, IT department can now eliminate that department almost entirely mm -hmm by moving IT operations to the cloud. So why do you need to, to have uh, a, a, an IT department when Google or Amazon 
uh, and their clouds, or Rackspace, or one of the other companies, can handle your IT services. Uh, so uh, labor becomes a significant issue as well. Beyond that, and I'll, I'll wrap up this answer, uh, kind of long answer with this, but I think it's important to kind of, I think it's a good question, how, how does the technology embody these different uh, different approaches. Sure. Um, there's a philosophical uh, question here about what it means to uh, to know things. As we move more and more of our data to the cloud, we're hearing more and more about the significance of big data analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, it's described by some as as revolutionary. Uh, radically changing the way in which we come to know things uh, embodied in uh, a colloquial expression that's enormously powerful. Uh, That is, uh, the data will speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, what does that mean? In essence, it seems to me that, and and I use the the phrase uh, digital positivism, that is uh, a sense that the technology will enable the data we store on it to give us answers whether or not we even ask a question. It will essentially tell us what is best for us. Now, this seems to me to challenge in very fundamental ways a lot of the different ways of knowing things and mm-hmm. understanding things that uh, that we have lived with for centuries, including approaches that are more uh, qualitative, that try to understand subjectivity, uh, that uh, engage with history and theory. Uh, big data, by and large, ignores all of those elements and says, we have a new way of knowing, adopt it. So, to the cloud means more than simply uh, a technical connection to a data center. Mm-hmm. It has vast implications uh, for some of the major uh, social, political, uh, philosophical issues that uh, that that are uh, central to our world today. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, while you were talking, I couldn't help but think of um, some of my communications theory training and think of McLuhan and the media is the message. So is technology with respect to the cloud, at least what we're talking about, is the cloud the message or is there a message inherent in the cloud, I guess? Well, I, I, you know, it's an interesting point. Uh, The cloud in some respects embodies uh, McLuhan's adage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly that as a medium, it delivers, uh, a message, certainly about what it means uh, to know things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, a number of its more enthusiastic proponents Mm -hmm. uh, draw the link from McLuhan uh, to the cloud. Uh, And um, I think it's important to, to do so. And it's also, I think, you know, important to understand that um, there is enormous value to be gained by making the cloud part of our lives. 
but at the same time, uh, we need to do so as with any technology uh, by understanding and trying to deal with the problems uh, that it gives rise to. And one of the ideas that um, I trace through the book that seems to me uh, important is this. With my, uh, with my understanding of the history of technology, mm-hmm. um, it seems to me the cloud goes back to the, um, the beginnings of uh, the computer age, back to the 1950s and 60s, mm-hmm. when um, uh, those of us old enough to remember uh, <laughs> um, would use what was then called time-sharing computers. Okay. That is, you'd use uh, the computer that you worked on was actually just a terminal that had no storage capacity at all, and you interacted with what was called a mainframe computer. Mm-hmm. That is a central computer that was stored in uh, some uh, uh, very uh, um, uh, isolated part of the university campus, and it would uh, deliver uh, your um, your information. Um, and uh, early on in the computer age, uh, researchers would uh, share the time on that uh, central computer. So uh, while multiple users could use it, uh, you couldn't all use it at once. And so we talked about time sharing as a form of computing, and it was considered an advance over one person using one computer. Mm -hmm. Well, in a sense, the cloud, uh, another 50 years later, uh, deploys that model. Multiple users drawing from a central data center and making use of the technology. But back in those early days, if we look at some of the debates around uh, the future of computing, uh, the term public utility or computer utility mm-hmm. came up over and over again. That is, uh, are these large uh uh, mainframe computers really like the public utilities that deliver us electrical power, uh, water, uh, and um, if they are public utilities, should they not be regulated as electrical utilities are in the public interest uh, to uh, address issues like the pricing, social implications of uh, of the technology. Uh, after a few years of trying out uh, private electricity, uh, the U.S. and most other countries recognize that this is a technology that was far too important to simply um, allow individual private companies to operate without regulation. So they were declared public utilities. Mm-hmm. Well, the same goes for uh, uh, the early days of uh, computers. And the view was then that maybe we should begin to think about the computer as a public utility. So into the cloud, one of the things I argue is that if we're going to deal with the problems uh, uh, that arise from the cloud, uh, whether they have to do with the concentrated power of 
government in the NSA or of a big company like Amazon that is a, a, a leading force in the cloud or the environment or privacy or jobs, that we have to begin to think of the cloud as a public resource or a public utility and go back to those earlier discussions, as I do in the book, from the 50s and 60s and 70s, and um, look for ways in which uh, we can turn the cloud into a more broad public utility that has sufficient regulation so that it can continue to provide a useful service for people, and at the same time, uh, minimize uh, the problems that arise with it. Now, in, in the book, you talk about there are a, uh, just a few companies that are dominating the cloud, mm-hmm. I guess, um, yeah. business right now. And I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if there is a possibility that cloud and cloud computing may go the way of media, particularly media in, say, the United States and, and perhaps Canada, where uh, mm-hmm. it's concentrated in the hands of, you know, a really yeah. small number of right. uh, companies and perhaps the implications of that. Well, I think that's uh, an important point and one of the, the central issues in thinking about the cloud and why we need to begin to think about it as a public utility. As it stands now, um, there is... Uh, one dominant force in the industry, and that's Amazon. Mm -hmm. In its subdivision, Amazon Web Services uh, is essentially the force that determines a good deal of the the pricing and services available uh, in the cloud. Uh, Now, there are others, but what struck me as so interesting when I was doing research on this book is that the other leading companies are uh, the same companies that dominate (laughs) social media, sure. and other aspects of, uh, of IT, uh, including uh, Microsoft and, and uh, Apple uh, and Google increasingly. Mm-hmm. To a lesser degree, Facebook, though, it's becoming increasingly important. Um, Facebook operates, of course, in the cloud and has you know, over a billion customers, but it doesn't uh, provide the kind of uh, cloud services to 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 companies and government agencies in the way that Amazon does. Uh, Amazon uh, received a six hundred million dollar contract, for example, from uh, from the CIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CIA trusts Amazon uh, to serve as its uh, as its on uh, online provider of data and applications, etc. Now, what's the danger here? Well, um, there have been lots of other companies and still are involved uh, in the cloud. There were more than there are today. Companies with names like Salesforce and Rackspace and others. Um, but what the big companies are doing is uh, diminishing their the, the market hold of the smaller ones by cutting their prices drastically until these companies are driven out of the business. Mm-hmm. What's, you know, uh, what, what economists would call predatory pricing uh, that uh, large companies can afford because they have other divisions that can keep them afloat 
uh, while uh, they drive other firms out of the business. Now, what this means is that uh, we're increasingly left with fewer choices among cloud providers who get to determine uh, what uh, pricing and services are like and who generate enormous profits from selling the data that uh, we provide them in the cloud. Uh, now, in the past, when we've had situations like this, whether with uh, big media companies like CBS or NBC, the TV networks, or the telephone companies like AT&T, who stepped in and determined that they needed to be regulated in the public interest. Well, that hasn't been done with the cloud, um, partly because we now live in an environment where regulation uh, seems to be uh, uh, a, a, uh, a tool of policy that's uh, not used or used only in the last resort. Uh, the, uh, and as a result, companies like Amazon have been able to run free through the, uh, through the cloud industry. And uh, I worry not only about what this means for consumer choice, but also for innovation in mm -hmm. the industry. One of the ways innovation happens is when small companies move in, provide a, a unique service, and challenge the larger companies. Well, if these smaller companies are not uh, uh, gaining access to markets because the big ones dominate, then innovation is likely to be, uh, to be stifled. So uh, I do worry about the old uh, issue of, of concentration of power, mm -hmm. and it's another reason why we need to begin thinking about developing policy for what amounts to be the cloud computing public utility. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us, what do you think is on the horizon for cloud computing in the near future? Well, um, the industry is growing. Mm -hmm. and uh, expanding rapidly, um, there is a continuous push. I don't know whether that's the case uh, at your university, but lots of universities that, uh, that I observe, for example, in moving their email services mm -hmm. from a local IT department to Gmail as right. a way to, to save money. Uh, that's, a kind of, that's one small example of the push to move from uh, individual control over uh, our uh, IT needs to uh, centralized control. I think that's going to uh, grow. It's, it's, um, it's a, 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 there's enormous pressure uh, from the companies themselves to push. There's enormous pressure on government. One of the leading forces in the U.S. Mm -hmm. are the are government agencies that want to move all of government to the cloud, and uh, mainly because it's cheaper uh, to do that, um, requires fewer IT workers, and um, allows for better coordination of data and software. Uh, but all of this seems to me to, to require a closer public eye on, uh, on the cloud, because uh, without some form of of regulation, ultimately, if a handful of companies control the whole thing, then they're going to be able to price it, uh, deliver services in ways that uh, 
mainly support their bottom line, which may or may not be in the public interest. Now, I, I do see a groundswell beginning to form around uh, the need for public interest regulation of the cloud. Mm-hmm. It's uh, more forceful right now in Europe, which is challenging uh, in the European Union, the major cloud providers on issues like uh, concentration of power and privacy. Mm-hmm. But I think we're also beginning to see it uh, in the United States and elsewhere as people recognize how important the cloud is and why it's necessary for us to to control this powerful and potentially a revolutionary technology. Sure. Now, what's next for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's interesting. You know, um, uh, I, uh, I found that after writing a book like this, I need to spend a fair bit of time in reflecting on, um, you know, what uh, I go through a period where I write a book and then, in a sense, continue to write it in my mind by mm-hmm. adding new material. So uh, next month, I'm going to China to lecture for three weeks uh, about the cloud. China is becoming one of the leading cloud companies in uh, cloud countries in the world. Mm-hmm. And so um, I want to talk about some of the implications for China there. So I will be lecturing there. I'll be uh, in the U.S. and and across Canada talking about these issues, and I will be absor- I absorb more and more uh, material on the cloud. Uh, and um, usually after, you know, six months or so of doing this, I begin to kind of think about uh, a new project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, right now it's only uh, beginning to, uh, to form in, in my mind, but... Um, I'm thinking of uh, taking a more um, serious look as, as, at, at social media, that as it uh, matures into um, a technology that is uh, a central part of our day-to-day lives, uh, what will this mean for uh, broadly for social life? But I'm edging specifically into uh, into education mm-hmm. again and uh, and thinking of looking at the growth of uh, online education and the role of social media in it and what it means to be uh, a university and a university uh, uh, for universities and what it means to be a university educator in uh, a world uh, increasingly controlled by online and social media forms of communication. So if, if the listeners want to read more of your material, where can they find it? Do you have a website or a blog? Uh, yes, actually, I, uh, I, I do, of course, have, uh, have a website. The best thing to do would just be to, uh, to pop Vincent Mosco into, uh, into the cloud of Google (laughs) (laughs) and you'll find my, my website and lots of information about where they can read about other of my publication. And I'd be happy to, uh, to communicate with any of your listeners. I'm uh, at MOSCOV at MAC.com. That's my Moscow at Mac.com email address. (laughs) 
And if anybody has any questions or comments, I'd be happy to hear them. Great. And so the book is To the Cloud, Big Data in a Turbulent World, available probably on Amazon, right? (laughs) It's on Amazon. It's published by Paradigm Publishers in the United States. And I made made sure, Jasmine, that uh, it was available in an inexpensive paperback edition. Oh, great. An important consideration these days. So for... Oh, somewhere in the uh, around twenty dollars U.S. Uh, you can pick up uh, uh, what I, I, I an, an important uh, uh, look at uh, cloud computing. Absolutely. So, Vincent, thank you again for coming on the show. And, ladies and gentlemen, this has been New Books in Technology. 